Welcome to The Thing About Austin, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan. And I'm Diane. And this episode, we're talking about linens. For this episode, we are headed back to Norland Park and the very beginning of Sense and Sensibility. John Dashwood is explaining to his wife, Fanny Dashwood, his late father's wishes that John assist Mrs. Dashwood and her daughters, also known as John's sisters. <laughs> At first, he has decided to give them 3,000 pounds, then that is reduced to 1,500 pounds, and then to the occasional gift of 50 pounds, if he happens to think of it, no big deal. <laughs> Finally, Fanny suggests that his father likely didn't mean financial assistance, but merely help with moving and perhaps the occasional gifts of fish and game etc, etc. And then she reminds him that John's father left some valuable household items to Mrs. Dashwood, and that seals the deal. No financial assistance is required. This is what she says to John. However, one thing must be considered. When your father and mother moved to Norland, though the furniture of Stanhill was sold, all the china, plate, and linen was saved and is now left to your mother. Her house will therefore be almost completely fitted up as soon as she takes it. She's just like, I can't believe that we aren't getting the linens. Yes. <laughs> and just to clarify for the listener, when we are talking about Eleanor, Marianne, and Margaret's mother, we are saying either Mrs. Dashwood or Mrs. Henry Dashwood. Mm -hmm. When we are talking about Fanny, we will refer to her as Fanny Dashwood. There's a lot of Mrs. Dashwoods around here. <laughs> Linen, as a specific textile, comes from flax, which is a fiber crop. When harvested for fibers, the outer straw-like case is broken down and the fine thread-like fibers removed. Those fibers are then spun and woven into linen fabrics. It is one of the most sustainable textiles and one that has been around for centuries. In Britain, flax was often sourced locally, According to the Victoria and Albert Museum, in Europe, from the early Middle Ages to the 18th century, households cultivated the exact amount of flax necessary to fulfill their needs. Making flax into linen for clothing, bed linen, and domestic textiles was an occupation undertaken at home. So according to Alice Dolan's article titled, The Fabric of Life, Time and Textiles in 18th Century Plebeian Homes. Perfect title. <laughs> it is such a good title. She states that fabrics made from flax were used for underwear, bed sheets, and the table because they were washable, unlike silk and wool, and they tended to be finer and softer than hempen cloth. Cotton, though washable, remained relatively expensive in real terms, even at the end of the century, because linen was more durable, lasted up to four times as long. For those to whom cost was critical, linen offered better value for the money. And all of this is also changing during the latter half of the 18th and into the 19th century, with industrialization and factory-produced fabric resulting in people producing less fabric at home. For additional context, throughout the 19th century, cotton and linen became competitive textiles, with cotton becoming increasingly popular. Cotton, which was sourced via the transatlantic slave trade, was flooding the markets at cheap prices. 
and the prices were low because cotton was produced through the use of enslaved labor. During the 18th century, pretty much everyone in England was wearing linen in some form, at least for their undergarments. But linen could also be a high-end luxury textile as well. Linens, as they're being described in the passage from Sense and Sensibility, is a generic term for household textiles like sheets and tablecloths. What's happening in this scene is that Fanny has some opinions on Mr. Henry Dashwood's will. John Dashwood inherits Norland, but the smaller items like the household linens are not necessarily part of the estate. They were things that Eleanor and Marion's mother get to keep since she and her husband brought those items with them from their previous home, Stanhill, which Fanny Dashwood references. The will seems to specifically stipulate that Mrs. Henry Dashwood gains ownership of the linens and other items. Right. And so initially, it might not seem like a big deal to inherit the linens. But let's put this into perspective. According to the novel, Norland Park is a large estate. An estate of substantial size is going to require a lot of linens, bedding, tablecloths, napkins, etc. What are some of the quantities that we are talking about here? According to Tessa Bowes, author of The Housekeeper's Tale, The Women Who Really Ran the English Country House, we have the linen count for another large estate from this period. In 1803, Trentham Hall, which is located in Staffordshire, had the following linen inventory. And there's just some really great detail in here. 461 napkins of two qualities, 172 tablecloths, three qualities, one horseshoe shaped, 109 sheets, three qualities, 441 towels, four qualities, and 78 pillow coats. There were 189 domestic cloths, china cloths, rubbers, that would be like for furniture and such, pocket cloths, glass cloths, lamp cloths, dusters, horn cloths for polishing beer cups in the servants' hall. So specific. Such great detail here. And yeah, that is a lot of linen. (laughs) One of the things I find really interesting about this description, apart from the sheer quantity, is the specific mentions of different qualities of some of these items, like towels and sheets. Bose goes on to explain a bit about the hierarchy of this linen usage. She writes, guests were given best quality sheets and towels, then came family, then nursery, upper servants, and lower servants. Bed sheets for servants were made of rough hempen, herden, coarse calico, or unbleached linen that, until well washed, had the texture of cardboard. Their sheets were made up of two lengths of fabric, seamed down the middle, unpicked and remade by the maids when threadbare. Nobody wanted to break in a new sheet. Much better to inherit a slippery smooth one slept in by the girl who did your job before you. <laughs> it's really one of those times where you're very happy to get the hand down. Oh, yeah. yeah, that cardboard bedding does not sound pleasant to me. No, thank you. I will pass on the brand new out of the package sheets. Give me these old, old sheets that have been around for years. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so in these large estates, it would be the housekeeper's responsibility to maintain the inventory on these large quantities of linen, as well as maintain the quality. At Trentham Hall, the housekeeper would do a yearly inventory and, according to Bose, count over every item, entering it into a book with detailed notes on age, missing items, repairs, and replacements needed. And if some of the linen was no longer usable for its intended purpose, 
families would then repurpose the linen as much as possible. There's always a different way to be using this linen. So it's it's constantly getting a new life cycle, basically. So why are the linens such a sticking point for Fanny Dashwood, apart from the fact that she's just the worst? <laughs> and the first and obvious reason has to do with losing a large quantity of an expensive commodity. So Mrs. Dashwood is inheriting all the linens that she and her husband brought with them from their first home, Stanhill. So even though Mrs. Dashwood is not inheriting all of the linens from Norland, she's still going to be taking away a decent chunk. And oftentimes, linens on this kind of scale, particularly bed linens, had to be custom made. The average loom size during this era was between 30 and 35 inches wide. So to cover larger beds, the luxury sheets had to be seamed with close attention to detail. This would not have been a small expense when you're factoring in time and labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And later in the novel, when Eleanor is speaking with her brother in London, he implies that he's a bit strapped for cash because they had to replace all that expensive linen. I'm so, so <laughs> sorry for you, you horrible, horrible brother. Just like an orchestra of tiny little violins playing for him right now. Here's the way he describes it in the novel. Other great and inevitable expenses, too, we have had on first coming to Norland. Our respected father, as you know, bequeathed all the Stanhill effects that remained at Norland, and very valuable they were, to your mother. Far be it from me to repine at his doing so, he had an undoubted right to dispose of his own property as he chose. But, in consequence of it, we have been obliged to make large purchases of linen, china, etc., to supply the place of what was taken away. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> the idea here that he was, that this is impoverishing him and his family in any way is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> they just can't get over all that linen just... <laughs> Literally just floated away, right? You know, <laughs> they put it on boats and took it with them to Devon and they don't get the linen anymore. <laughs> Eleanor keeping it together much better than I would in the same situation. On a more personal note, this inheritance of the linens is also kind of important to the Dashwood women for sentimental reasons. According to another article by Alice Dolan, titled Touching Linen, Textiles, Emotion, and Bodily Intimacy in England, circa 1708 to 1818, bedsheets held social roles associated with family history and emotional meaning. They were present at key moments in the life cycle, birth, as a part of a marriage dowry, at the consummation of a marriage, and death. Sheets were practical holders of memory or emotion, durable items they could continue to be used or folded and protected in a cupboard. So again, you have to think about this as a time when so many of these key life moments are happening in the home. Right. There's definitely a lot of sentiment that's attached to these as memory devices. And to break that down a bit further, especially in the context of sense and sensibility, this is one of the very few things that Henry Dashwood can actually provide for his second wife and three daughters. It's in his will, which there is a, a historical precedent for this, the idea of bestowing linens within a will. So there is a certain amount of sentimental value attached to this as, as a memento of this father. And fine household linens were also often handed down from mother to daughter as a kind of tradition. So these linens may very well make up a part of Eleanor, Marianne, and Margaret's future dowries or trousseaus as well, depending on their marriages. And according to Antonia Brody's article titled 
marking and memory, an embroidered sheet in the collection of the Victoria and Albert Museum. She goes on to say that the V&A actually has a set of sheets with embroidery that was, quote, probably carried out over a period of at least 130 years by a number of different people, all of whom may have had different motives for adding their initials to this object. So we get the idea that it's a tradition to hand down these sheets, these linens, as a kind of memento of family. So so there is this very strong historical context that supports this idea of linens being inherited objects of sentimental value for families. Bringing all this information back to Sense and Sensibility, I think it really changes the way that we are looking at this reference to linens in a couple of specific ways. First, it makes this inheritance of household linens a really important personal memento for each of the Dashwood women. These are the linens that Mrs. Dashwood likely brought, at least in part with her, to her marriage as part of her dowry and trousseau, and is therefore a dual memory object for the husband that she just lost. And for the sisters, it's a similar sentimental object that is going to remind them of their father and family and, you know, time living at Norland mm-hmm. Park. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that this tells us now that we understand this about linens is it just, again, reinforces that Fanny Dashwood is the worst. She and John, right? This puts them in a different light because it makes them that much more avaricious and awful. Fanny is kind of being, she doesn't want to have to buy new bedding, of course, but she's also disregarding any kind of concern about sentiment or family heritage by like getting all worked up about these linens. You have to feel for them, though, you know, Zan. They had to replace a lot of linens, and John has let us know that he's basically broke now. Right, So, right. It's the linens that are going to just bring down this dynasty. I mean, here's the thing. We don't really know the exact amounts in question, but one has to presume that Norlin Park already had a sizable inventory of its own linen, enough to run a household, before the Stanhill linen was added. I guess it's possible that because of that addition, new linens that would have ordinarily been made or purchased to replace old ones weren't. But I would not be at all surprised if John and Fanny are still left with the majority of whatever was there originally. Right. Like the Dashwood women are taking a bunch of linen with them, but it shouldn't matter that much because Norland probably had way more than it needed after the Stanhill effects were incorporated. The same goes for the China, etc. <laughs> so I'm calling BS on John here. Right. Oh, 100%. There are several passing mentions to household and personal linens throughout Austin's works, but there are a couple of specific mentions that we wanted to make note of. First up, we have Emma, and we actually talked about this briefly in our episode on Petty France. In Emma, Mrs. Elton assures us all that Selena always travels with her own linens when she has to stay at an inn. Yes. One of the main reasons for this bringing of linens to an inn, according to an 18th century doctor named William Buggan, in his book, Domestic Medicine, or A Treatise on the Prevention and Cure of Disease by Regimen and Simple Medicines, he basically says that most beds in inns had damp linens. Part of that's obviously just the climate. But according to medicine of the day, this would contribute to sickness. So while other concerns over cleanliness might have played a part in bringing your own linens while you travel, another part was that you could potentially bring linens wrapped up and protected from damp weather and therefore preserve your health. Who knew? 
And in Northanger Abbey, we also have Catherine finding an inventory of linen when she's getting all excited about what might be in the cabinet in her room. And of course, it then turns out to be the washing bills for the laundry of Eleanor's hot Viscount. And yes, that's a technical term. (laughs) He's my favorite character that we never see. I don't care. (laughs) But we can learn so much from his laundry list. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) You can... Find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, thethingaboutaustin.com, and email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com. And we wanted to share this Apple podcast review from listener Stephanie, who says, Jane Austen nerds rejoice. This podcast is more refreshing than a turn about the room and makes my nerdy heart so happy. And that is just a bit of Stephanie's lovely and generous review. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And stay tuned for next episode where we will be talking about Lady Bertram's pug with our guest, Dr. Stephanie Howard-Smith. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.